Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to this episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I am your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in Southern Illinois is a man who just keeps on dreaming of giving up the podcast game and opening his own bakery. It's producer Mason. How are you doing today, Mason? I'm doing good. Uh, before we started recording, made some banana bread. They call me Kropotkin, the way that I conquer this bread. You know how it goes. <laughs> are you going to share it all with us, perhaps with a little <laughs> tiny glass of wine? It's but, in the mail. Uh, yeah, but we'll move on from that. Also joining us from his studio cave in the wilds of West St. Louis County is a man who is just giddy with excitement. It's Sean Campbell. How giddy are you, Sean? Oh, it's 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 everything's becoming real. It's the first actual game, you know, preview that we got set up for you guys today. I'm very excited to talk about it. And you know what? I'm just I'm going to try to enjoy this moment as long as I can. Everything's getting serious right now at this final stages before the season. And we that's everything. That's one way to put it. <laughs> And also got some banana bread at work today, dude. <laughs> and also joining us from St. Louis itself is a man who's going to give us all the lowdown in intricate detail about the TIFO being prepared for St. Louis City's first home match. It's Chris Zimmerman. How are you doing today, Chris? What do you got to tell us? Um, I don't have anything to tell you about the TIFO because that conversation is reserved for my therapist at this point. <laughs> uh, patient doctor confidentiality is, is, is that HIPAA if it's a therapist? Is that oh, still oh, HIPAA? Yes, yes it is. It's very seriously HIPAA if it's a therapist. Okay, I was worried that that wasn't going to count as HIPAA. Wow, what's it mean that we're recording and I've still got immediate messages from all the supporter groups about, uh. Well, redact that. Anyway, we move along. Uh, we did uh, reference in an earlier episode, not very long ago, that we had some big news, perhaps, for you coming. Uh, we do have some news. Not very big. Not the news that we were anticipating. But uh, apparently, uh, there is a nearby city that's an MLS market that in their a desperate ploy to steal the title of soccer capital of America away from St. Louis, uh, they trademarked said title and started a podcast with it. And that has created for us some complications. So it's not going to affect us stopping this podcast. Uh, we just might have to call ourselves something different in the future. Um have more details, don't want to say too much, but let's just say that there is emails and trademarks and general counsels involved, so uh, we'll give you more information as we go along to keep you up to date with everything that happens with this show. Please keep in touch with us on social media, especially on Twitter, that's where we are primarily. Uh, we also have our Discord, and all of the links to that are will be in the show notes. Uh, on Twitter, we are, of course, at Soccer Capital for the time being, and uh, go ahead and follow us there, and uh, we'll let you know as things progress exactly what's going on with us, you know, as soon as we figure out what's going on with us. So that's all I have to say on that, because we got bigger things to talk about, and what's really important here today, just days away from the opening match from St. Louis City SC is, we're going to talk kids. How about that? Uh, St. Louis City uh, finally unveiled their away kit. Um, and uh, Chris, 
You've been working on the TIFO. You've been around people. Perhaps you even bought one. Uh, have you seen one of these out in the wild? Yes, I did. I went to the team store across the street from the stadium on Friday and bought it and then instantly handed it over to have it personalized. And they will call me back when I get it. So I have held the kit in my hands and then it's dropped it off at daycare for a little bit. <laughs> but it is um, the main design feature is it's light gray, kind of a steel gray. It has these vertical pinstripes on it when they Announced the kit, one of the press releases included a picture of the western facade of the stadium, the big glass box with the sort of vertical dividers between the windows. I don't know if that was the actual inspiration or they just thought it was a little convenient picture to throw in. They have uh, the sleeves have both a blue and city red piping that covers the collar as well. And my favorite design feature is the back of the neck. There's a little city red triangle that says city founder on it which oh. i really like my personal opinion is that when it comes to kits there's a very fine line between classy and stylish and boring and i think that this kits on the right side of that line there are a lot of people who've been calling this boring and a disappointment and if you feel that way yeah i see where you're coming from but personally i really like it um I like it enough to spend more money on it than I probably should have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stretching that holiday bonus I got at work pretty thin, but <laughs> it's worth it. I would like to say, though, that uh, with it being an away kit, we don't necessarily have to wear that every away game. It's just like, hey, if you're not playing in your home stadium and your colors match a little too much, you default to the away kit. At least that's my understanding of it. So there's a potentiality we may never have to wear the away kit. Possible. Possible. Uh, unlike the home jersey, the one full-on city red, all colorful and flashy, um, the away kit's more understated. Uh, the home kit, the replica seemed perfectly presentable in public. I do oh. have to say the replica of the away kit. It's bad. It's dire, man. <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. That's uh, that's an understatement. There's no city red anywhere on it. That's and that's just it, not right. It's it, it, it just it it um. I don't I don't know if y'all have ever seen the movie Step Brothers, um, <laughs> but there's that scene where Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are walking home past the elementary school that Will Ferrell's not supposed to walk by because the kids make him lick a white turd. They may as well just. Make that the replica of the away kit that's equivalent there. Ooh. Well, now that we've seen all of the other teams that released all their jerseys this past week, you know, on the city home kit, the sleeve stripes were missing. And for a while, Adidas had, there were subtle differences between the authentic and the replica. A different fabric you had. The little chalk tag at the bottom that was missing, a little shiny thing that says authentic, but all of the core base design elements were always there. That has not been the case with these new kits. So if you want any sort of sleeve stripes, which all, almost all of these new MLS kits have, that's an extra $60, which I, it's a bit scummy, but it's Adidas. They have... Uh, committed worse crimes against humanity than not been charging extra for sleeve stripes. They do also have a death grip on the MLS jersey scene. 
<laughs> that is true. I will have to say about the uh, replica away kit, and hopefully it's not with the club. It has to do with Adidas, but it does look like a poorly done knockoff T-shirt, to be quite honest, from the photographs I saw. I didn't see it in person. I would rather go out and buy and rep and wear every single day the City 2 home jerseys from last season than wear a replica of this away kit. See, I still think that you're deranged for that because the City 2 kit was just a gray t-shirt. Like <laughs> it looks, it looks at least like it's a training warm up. This is literally just a white T-shirt with the logo printed on it. That's all it is. But regardless of how you feel about how this kit looks or how the replica looks, your opinion doesn't matter for very long because this is the only season we will be wearing this jersey. The home jersey we have released will be worn next season as well. And next season we're going to be getting a brand new away jersey that's how the mls kit cycle works every jersey lasts two seasons and then you flip-flop back and forth between whether you're changing your home jersey and your away jersey which i must say my wallet likes a lot better than the how they way they do it in europe where you get three new jerseys every season yeah um also i do have to say if for one thing if they're changing it all the time there is a classy appeal to the way they did the pinstripes and on the away kit uh, once you get a design like that, kind of stick with it. Just dress it up a little every year. Don't change it all the time. Uh, be classy. Keep something similar. You know, like the Cardinals that had birds on the bats for what a hundred years. Yeah. Are you well suggesting? Are you suggesting that we keep the pinstripes like the freaking New York Yankees? Well, the Cardinals are the Yankees of the National League. What? The other, the other City Midwest SC be the Yankees of MLS. The- I don't but care the where one that other team, team plays. The one team's fans that were that I'm not going to name, they already think we're pretentious fans of every other sport. They think we're going to be even worse with this one. I don't want them to get any other ideas about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say I disagree with you because this year, uh, Adidas has gotten pretty creative with some away jerseys, and some of them are really cool. Yeah. Seattle... Nashville's Johnny Cash kit at DC. There's some pretty good designs when they're allowed to go a little bit outside of the box in the away jerseys. Yeah, because they weren't all templated. There was some actual like good designs here. So mm. yeah, and there were some terrible ones like Austin's home <laughs> yeah. jersey. Okay, uh, you know we could talk about kits all day. I I personally care that much uh but i'm in the minority on that uh but what we're here for is st louis city going to be in action for the first regular season game we're recording this on sunday afternoon uh game day's just six days away but they've actually been playing and with their starters live against other mls opponents it's practice it's preseason but we got a little recap of what happened here practice that's right we talk about practice they had uh, six games. They had one win, three draws, and the rest uh, were then two losses. That's six points out of six games. Uh, hopefully they perform better than that in the regular season, but it is preseason with a lot of changes in a team that was just getting their work in together for the most part amongst the roster. Uh, in, the reca- in the preseason, 
that we've had uh, since the last time we've talked about it. There was a nil-nil draw against the Vancouver Whitecaps. That was in Coachella Valley. Um, uh, City failed to score after seeming to have much of the run of play for most of the game. Uh, most observers, and got this off of social media, but most observers said that uh, St. Louis City really was in the ascendancy almost the entirety of the game, but they failed to convert. Worth noting a few comments I did see, which concerns me a bit, is that they noted we did run out of gas in the second half. Now, we didn't really put in a whole lot of substitutes, which makes me feel a little bit better, but that's still not a super good sign. But it is preseason, and generally to get full fitness for all the players in most leagues all around the world, including MLS... It does take a few games for everybody to get up to speed, but it makes you wonder they need to be at full fitness. If they're going to play this style in St. Louis heat during the summer, they need to be at full fitness. And I guess that uh, sense of fatigue did sh- uh, show because Roman Berkey made a, had to make a big stop towards the end of the match to keep the clean sheet and keep them from uh, losing that point in the draw. <laughs> As if points matter in the preseason. As if there are points. Welcome to the preseason where everything's made up and the points literally don't exist. Now, a a, a preseason game I would have sat down and really watched and probably been quite entertained with was against NYCFC at the Coachella Valley Invitational. Um, Akil Watts got it off to a great start, uh, opening the scoring in the ninth minute with a shot from distance. And it seemed to be from the photos that I saw. From quite some distance. Uh, We're familiar with this. Yeah. In the 33rd minute, minute, Isaac Jensen earned a penalty that was converted by Indiana Vasilev. But NYCFC, they've got some talent there, uh, responded in the 35th to close out the scoring in the first half. And then they scored twice in the second half in the 68th and 87th minutes. That seemed to put a cap on it all. But... Edu Leuven scored at the death to close it out in a 3-3. Pretty thrilling, it seemed like, a preseason match um, in that one. If we're talking takeaways, I like this game because this this one, what seemed to be our starters did not run out as the starting 11. We had Ben Lunt starting in net. O'Malley got the start. Uh, Lucas Bartlett, the trialist, got a start. Um and then, you know, we go up early and then at the half go down and battle back. I thought that that game was was good. There was some telling there's telling storylines to pull out of that one. Hopefully the most telling storyline isn't that the starters let the game get away, but then the starters fought back and got the game back in. Hope we have better than that. But what do you expect in an expansion season? And then the final uh, preseason match was at City Park uh, against Atlanta United, uh, closed-door friendly. Um, City took the loss in this one, though it seemed to be, by most observers, a pretty close-cut match, which is good to hear. Um, Atlanta opened the scoring in the 10th minute with a deflected shot from Luis Arajo, but uh, Klaus answered in the 28th with a shot from the top of the box off of a cross from Leuven. Uh, Atlanta did get a penalty that was converted by Tiago Almada in the 43rd to close out the scoring in the first half, and that is how it ended. Uh, Carnell did play a uh, coach 
Uh, Bradley Carnell did play this as an official game, limited himself to only five subs in three distinct windows, getting ready. Indiana Vasilev and Miguel Perez came in for Ostrak and Blom in the 60th minute. Jensen and Pompeo for Stroud in the 73rd. And Azeel Jackson got a run out late for Leuven in the 80th. One thing to note is that Klaus in the... Um towards the end of the first half, also had a goal that was pulled back for offside. So this game could have ended very differently, if not for a half step or a, a linesman not watching. <laughs> um, I do want to say that just kind of overarching looking at all three of these games, uh, we didn't quite get into each of like the exact starting 11 for all three, but it looks like they're working in specific groups as opposed to still mixing and matching um the group that played twice was Berkey, Nervinsky, Parker, Hebert, Nelson, Leuven, Blom, Allstrack, Alm, Stroud, and Klaus I think that's pretty safe to say that's our starting 11 coming out mm. of coming into day one um but we'll probably get into that a little bit later um I I think the second game is more interesting to me though the NYCFC game, because that's guys that are actively fighting to try to get onto that starting roster. And who knows, maybe we may see some changes from that quote unquote starter group. Um, but it's very intriguing to see these results. There, there were no true blowouts. It, we didn't get absolutely played off the pitch in any of these matches. And um, I think a lot of these well, guys was that know it's preseason. Game, but... We're not talking about that game this week, are we, Mason? <laughs> no, we're not. The, in this this is the business end of, of preseason where you're finalizing that roster scores still don't matter because points don't matter but how people play on the pitch and interact with each other and that chemistry is what does and I think we've got a, a good look at that starting 11 and what they're going to do how they're going to work together um, and then that second game those the the presumably ostensibly the subs you know, the guys that made an impact and fought back for the game can come in and actually fight for a game. And I think that is an interesting point for sure. Yeah, I don't know who was in for the other clubs at the end, uh, especially against NYCFC. Uh, that could tell as well. Uh, one thing, uh, I did see a quote, I think it was from a story by Tom Timmerman in STL Today, the Post-Dispatch, of... Um, that Bradley Carnell has stated that he's not set on his uh, starting 11 yet. He's still got three days of training, and it'll come down to that. Uh, and he did say it's going to be fluid. Uh, it's going to really rely upon training. You know, the team hasn't fit together. Who's working? Who's hot? Play the hot hand. I imagine that's how it's going to go, and it'll shake out in time, I'm sure. It's kind of how it has to go when these guys have played six games together, for the most part. And... You know, worth noting, I think that he had chosen the starting lineup against New York and the starting lineup against Atlanta to be completely different. So within those two games, you know, the real, I think, tightest battle is between John Nelson and Selmir Pedro. Pedro could have shown up better in that game against New York than Nelson did against Atlanta. There's a few edge cases where that could change, but I think overall the lineup against Atlanta is more or less our starting day lineup. And unfortunately, really couldn't find any video on this other than one very sketchy site that I decided not to, you know, give all of my personal information to. Just Mike, to watch were they asking for your credit game. card number? Yes. And the three were. funky digits on the back. 
Ooh, ooh, oh, no, 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 no. That's yep. that's how you get a virus. I've seen that episode of The Office where Pam pays for the celebrity tape. That's how you get a virus. Yeah. Yeah, I found a site to watch now, but asked for my home address, my blood type, and what hours I'm usually home at. Yeah. It asked uh, if uh, I ever had allegiance to the Communist Party of America. <laughs> and, and no, the place I found asked for my from the back of the So neck. I said no. <laughs> but we've got our ideas. We kind of seen, we kind of know what the players are. So I think before the first match, it's time to look at the squad and give our ideas of who we think, uh, how the team's going to shake out on the depth chart. Of course, this is all subjective, but based upon some information. And the first position we're going to look at is, well, the forward position. Let's start at the top of the attack. Um, the ones that we're really looking at here are Klaus, uh, Nico Giacchini, Sam Adeneron, and uh, the 15-year-old homegrown Caden uh, Glover, who personally I expect to, to see down in City 2 for the season. Uh, I think we're all pretty much in agreement, aren't we? Klaus is the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If you don't start your DP, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, Nico Giacchini is really, really talented, and I imagine he you're going to see him subbing out for Klaus sometime early-ish in the second half a lot, but yeah. You got to go with Klaus. It it also remains a question of formation because we've largely seen them run out as five, two, three ones. If we go to like a five, two, 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 you could see Nico playing behind Klaus or something like that. But right now it's Klaus one, Nico two. Yeah, he gives us something. And then a dinner round's a big guy like Klaus. uh, So he would be a like for like if Klaus is out, say, by injury or. (laughs) <laughs> with this team, uh, yellow card accumulation could be a factor with the way that they play. Um, behind them, this is a little bit different. There is some movement amongst this, and you could even slide uh, Giacchini into this talk, is who's going to be playing on the wings and attacking from midfield. Um, the ones we're really looking at here is Rasmus Alm, Thomas Ostrak, uh, Gerald Stroud uh, with the MLS experience, young Isaac Jensen. Celio Pompeo coming up from City 2, Azil Jackson, uh, who was a star in MLS Next Pro with Minnesota United, and Indiana Vasilev, which there is some questions where in all of this depth chart he might actually fit. Uh, who do you guys think are going to be the starters? Well, Ustrak for sure. He's in there with a bullet. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, I think you got to go with the veteran, Jared Stroud. Uh, he's got the MLX experience. He knows what he's doing. He plays pretty well with the ball at his feet. Uh, he, he seems to be a very good option out there, out there wide. Um, and like I said earlier, I think Alm is going to be on that other side. Uh, it, it's going to be Ostrak, Alm, and Stroud across that line of three if we're running out the four-two-three-one like we have in the past. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Azil Jackson, you know, he gets a shot and absolutely makes a tear and and steals a spot in that three somewhere yeah stroud i agree with the rest we've got ostrak and rasmus alm for sure that are gonna be starting but kind of on that left side right now i think jared stroud definitely is the starter but keep in mind asik jensen he's only 19 but this team has put in a bit of a gamble they seem very confident in his ability to develop so i would love to see you know, he might take, he's only 19. He could take a year or two to develop, but I would love to see him start to get more minutes as the season progresses. I think that's a really good sign for the future of the team if Jensen 
starts to see more playing time on that left wing. And the rumor was when they signed him that uh, there was a lot of teams after him. He's a rising star in Europe. Uh, very young when they signed him, still only 19, will be 19, I believe. Um, For the yeah, compliance he's, he's 19, it's his yeah. season age, so he'll be 19 the entire season. Uh, I can see him working in. I think Stroud will get it with his um, experience in MLS. He's got quite a few appearances, but he's never been big for production, uh, scoring, uh, you know, creating scoring production. Um, a lot of people seem to be taking Rasmus Alm. Uh, not a lot of uh, blow up over him, but in the Swedish league, he had a pretty good production out of his number of appearances, uh, goals and assists in that league. And it has a history of uh, having people slide into MLS and adapting fairly quickly and a fair, uh, uh, doing well. So I, I think he's really in ink. Vasilev, they've been kind of working him back further in the midfield. So we'll see. Ostrak is definitely in. Uh, one thing I want to just make known while we're talking about these wings and, and attacking midfielders, it seems to be there's a lot of competition here for spots. It, it, I, I think that could really help in the long run. It may not be a, you know, first couple weeks out, we really see uh, an up, a, a raising up of the level of competition from that attacking midfielder spot. But with guys competing for spots, you got guys actively wanting to try out, go out and play their best so that they can keep their spot. You got guys that are training hard on the on the practice pitch so they can make it into that slot so that they can get their shot. And I wouldn't be surprised if a couple weeks in we get, uh, you know, we see Celio Pompeo get a start just out of nowhere. We see Azil Jackson get a start or Indiana Vasilev starting anywhere in that midfield triangle. But we'll get into that a little bit in just a second once we start talking about the defensive midfielders. But uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some turnover in the in the midseason once these guys really start getting into form and go with the hot hand. Yeah, let's go ahead and let's start about the defensive midfielders. We have to, and one reason why they're probably looking at uh, Vasilev uh, to play a little further back in the midfield is that we're not really thick, uh, you know, in the depth chart here. Yeah, we're uh, we're drowning got, in attacking midfielders, and we're pretty thin behind that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got Jabolo Bloom. We're really expecting him to be a starter. You did Edward your best. Leuven. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> um, Edward Leuven, uh, DP with uh, experience in the Bundesliga. See him run out. You've got Akil Watts, also with a little MLS experience. He's been around. He plays in multiple positions. Max Schneider's still on the roster, but has not been given a number. Not really fully sure about his status. It could be because they're waiting on a green card, um, and his international status could be in play. Um, not really sure where he stands right now. Has any of you guys heard anything definitive about Schneider? He's still on the roster. That's all I know. Yeah, I haven't heard anything outside of the fact that he has not played in the last couple of games that we just went over. So I, I would assume there's something to do with his eligibility that's causing the issue here. Um, and in doing in, in that being an issue, they that's probably why they're bringing Vasilev back is to say, hey, if we need you to, we might need to slot you in as a six because we know you have the ability to do it. Maybe not at a top level, but if we have to put you in there, we can. Um, and so they're, they may be using him as, as kind of a, a, a Swiss army knife guy at this point, which I wouldn't be opposed to, especially with how 
shallow we are because if you look at it, we really only have three guys that can fill the two positions and you really should have four or five, probably on the safer side, have five to a, a lot for those two slots. I mean, I don't think we just have to, you know, we've talked about a few times before, Owen O'Malley that we picked up in the super draft can play. Clarnell says you can play anywhere on the right wing. So him slotting in as a right defensive midfielder, I don't think is out of the question because he seems to be doing pretty well at fullback, but I know he has college experience playing further up. So that right defensive midfield position might be a good slot for him if needed. One thing we keep in mind and, um, one of the generation Adidas players last year got starts really quick was Ben Bender in Charlotte is that college players about halfway through the season do hit what they call the college wall. They're just not used to the longer seasons, uh, limiting minutes for O'Malley. He's got a positional flexibility and of course, positional flexibility is required in this system as well on that. Vasilev is interesting because, um, don't know if you call it an exact double pivot, but you're looking at Bloom and Leuven playing deep. But Leuven is an attacking, uh, has a good attacking sensibility, and we've seen that in preseason. Vasilev will add to that as well. Uh, perhaps they're looking at him funneling the ball from the back to the uh, up higher up the pitch is what they're looking at with his ability to control the ball and ability for him to bomb forward when possible um, to add something to the attack. So. I understand where they're He's, coming from with him. Leuven's already gotten a lot of those feeds. So one of the important bits is, especially when you're talking about the six and we, we got into it briefly when we were, you know, still talking just general MLS. And I was very high on my boy, uh, Jean-Luc Abusio, uh, that, that playing in that six, the distribution of the ball is absolutely imperative. And it's not just being able to lay off to an attacking player like an, you know, like a attacking mid or a wing mid would be able to do. It's also connecting the lines from the defense to the offense. It's being able to be comfortable with the ball at your feet and know, have the patience to sit there and pass it to someone else to the side and make that square pass. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, maybe dribbling into some space just to open up a better pass and not necessarily taking full bomb run with the ball and try to take on three, four guys at once. Um, it's so the question is, how good is Vasilev at that distribution and not just at, hey, I can take a ball on a run and then also make a, a quick pass when when space closes down. It's how can I deal with extended time with the ball at my feet? Uh, Owen O'Malley still has that that question as well. Uh, him playing at the at the right wing as a right wing back, it's still a bit you know more offensively minded than than just say a purely distribution role. And that's usually what I think of when I think of a six is someone who's there to make the the defensive tackle in the midfield and win that midfield war, and then also make wide distribution incisive passes to try to connect those lines together. Moving on, let's push it even further back the field. Let's talk about who we've got uh, at the fullbacks position. Uh, right now, we're looking at uh, longtime MLS veteran, free agent pickup uh, Jake Nervinsky. Uh, John Nelson also has, you know, more MLS experience than I anticipated. We've talked about Owen O'Malley, uh, the generation Adidas pickup on the Super Draft, our first signee, Selma Pedro's in this mix, and perhaps even John Bell, though. Uh, I think he's probably going to be slotted in far more as a center back. Um, uh, a defender of this nature, he'll probably be used more if they ever switch to a back three, is my thought. 
Um, I, I personally, Nervitsky's going to start, and uh, I'm getting more and more high on uh, John Nelson, especially hearing from uh, Cincinnati fans where he played. Uh, he was uh, touted going into the draft. Good pickup, and I have a feeling he might be uh, the starter on opening day or a lot in the early part of the season. Yep. I mean, the reason why I used Pedro Nelson as that example earlier is because, by all accounts, this is the tightest starting position battle on the whole team between the two of them. So I think all signs point towards John Nelson being the starter, but Pedro's right behind him. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't, you know, be opposed to seeing that competition and, you know, play a couple games with Nelson, play a couple games with Pedro to start the season off, and then whoever kicked on the best actually gets the main starter role down the stretch. Um but, you know, it, it's I'm not gonna say it's a toss up. I think they're pretty decided on Nelson. Again recognizing the business end of the preseason Nelson was with that quote-unquote group a that we're looking at as pretty much being that that starter group that is it's their job to lose and the backups jobs to steal again I feel like we're a little thin here but Akil Watts has got some uh, flexibility uh Bell has flexibility between uh you know deep defender and playing on the on the sides mm-hmm. in defense so there's a possibility there John um, Bell's a bit of a question mark though because he's not fully game fit yet. He's still coming point, back from right. his sports hernia um surgery. Yeah, I don't expect him to be there for the first game, maybe the first two yeah. or three. I I there was an article, I believe it was from Tom Timmerman, uh hello Tom, uh, you know, post dispatch. Uh John Bell thinks he's ready, but Carnell doesn't. So Well, let's hope this doesn't turn into Triple G versus Reina part two, the St. Louis inning. I no. <laughs> Why did you come up with that? that. <laughs> My brain does weird things when I am this left to so, ramble in the this soccer isn't cave. Sports talk radio. It's a <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you, thank you for injecting a little bit of a controversy into our our, our little recap here. It's what uh, I'm here for, Mike. It's what it's what I do. I am here to occasionally cause problems <laughs> and stir the pot. Well, what can you do about our center back pos- uh, position that uh, has already had its pot stirred? What I was looking at coming into the season to be the real strength of the club uh, now has some question marks about it. We've got Tim Parker, Joachim Nielsen, uh, we got Kyle Heber, Josh Yarrow, and as we mentioned, John Bell. Uh, Nielsen, as we'll get into. Had off-season knee surgery. He got hurt on international duty with Sweden, which is a good thing. He's on international duty. It's a bad thing he got hurt. Um, uh, don't expect him to be, you know, even back in training until May. Uh, we might not even see him till the Leeds Cup. Uh, Parker, he's in. He's in. He's probably going to be yeah. your captain. In this system with the Red Bulls, he was best 11 caliber in center back. Didn't really play that well in the Dynamo system, but anybody who saw the Dynamo knows nobody played too well in their system. Uh, Kyle Hebert's got a lot of run out there. I'd have to say he's a front runner, especially with Bell coming off of um, uh, abductor uh, surgery or a sports hernia surgery. He's got a little road back. Um, you guys have any difference of opinion with Yarrow? Always there, the steady hand in the back, but I think he's been bypassed on the depth chart. Uh, have any yeah. disagreements with that take? I, Kyle Hebert seems yeah. like the one A to take Nilsson's spot, and then Yarrow's like the one B right now. But 
I I wouldn't be surprised to see Yarrow get game time, especially if John Bell is also not ready for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I do think it's important to note, though, that uh, the, again, this is all predicated on us running out the four two three one. Um, I don't think we see any tactical shifts to a back three anytime soon until Nilsson's back and John Bell are back. Once both of them are back, we could see a back three, in which case you could see Parker with any two of these guys at once we sub out to make that tactical change. Um, I don't see us starting with a back three at any point in time unless it's like absolutely just, you know what? Screw it. We're throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. But uh, no, it's Tim Parker all the way. Um, I would love to see Josh Yarrow get the run out on that first game. Just Even if it's the home opener is his first run out. But get him the run out. Give him the armband because, you know, it, it's the feel-good story. It, give, it, it it's, it's the passing of the torch and really making this team real with the guy who led the, led the team that preceded it in City 2 in, in a lot of ways. Um, he was the leader of that squad and I, and bringing him up here, I, I feel he deserves at least the chance to prove that he should be over Hebert. But I, I, I mean, I can't say for sure. I'm not in the front office. They don't pay me the big bucks to make these decisions for obvious reasons. Um, but I think it's going to be Parker and Hebert and Yarrow is going to be a sub, but I really am hoping that Yarrow gets the run out and give him that armband. I mean, I mentioned I had to drop off the away kit I bought to be customized. It's a Josh Yarrow jersey I'm getting. I don't own a single other soccer jersey with someone's name on the back, but he has earned my heart to the point that he, I'm willing to put his name on the back of a jersey, which I've never been willing to for any player at any level for any team before. With that said, the points, all the signs point towards Hebert, which... Yeah, the thing is, is that like the heart wants Yarrow, but the the sports decision seems to be leaning towards Hebert, given playing mm-hmm. time in the preseason. You know, we're n- we're not there at practice, so we only can only infer what's happening at practice through the elevens that were in the preseason, and all signs point to Hebert in that regard. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, it's perfectly fine to have your favorite player be someone that doesn't start. Uh, it's there is nothing wrong with that, and Josh Yarrow has done nothing but win our hearts. I gotta w- find a way to get a hug with Kyle Hubert so I can compare that to a hug with Josh Yarrow. I don't think he can compete, <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> and uh, finally, the last one, pretty easy one, not a lot to discuss here. We got Roman Berkey in goal, and Ben Lunt is his backup, who came in uh, from USL's Phoenix Rising. <laughs> Berkey's on a Max Tam deal. Uh, He's your starter. He's uh, the face of the franchise. Um, stirring up the pot here. Berkey doesn't even make the bench on the first game. Just saying we go with an MLS pool keeper as our starter for game number one in true St. Louis style. Because what, what? why not? <laughs> Lund gets the start and Creek gets called up to be sub. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be Are the you most St. Louis thing ever. It'd be the most St. Louis thing ever. Who replaced Sean with I, Colin Coward? Yeah, no, you're you're fired for that day. I, I know. I I hey, hey, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. I'm Sean Posit's worst question ever asked to leave the podcast. Y'all know I'm I'm kidding. It's obviously Berkey, and Lunt is on it's 
he has a chance to play <laughs> if we, you know, if they bring back the Open Cup again, but it's gonna be Perky. All he's the turned way. Into, he's turned into a lame mix of Skip Bayless and Colin Cow- <laughs> Coward right in front of our eyes. <laughs> What's going on here? Can I oh my the God. Oh, you know what? Brownie for cheese? Put me out of my misery. Put me out of my misery. Just get rid of me. <laughs> I don't want to be those two. <laughs> you made this bed. <laughs> I okay. I was just making a joke comment, <laughs> and now I'm being absolutely put on blast for it, as you should. As you Wrong. Should. <laughs> but uh, now that we've gone over what our club is, uh, I believe it's time to go ahead and start taking a look to what to expect for City's first ever match. That's February 25th, upcoming this Saturday at uh, Austin FC. 7.30 p.m. Central Time. It'll be on Apple TV. And have I got this right? All of the first week's matches are in front of the paywall. Everyone can see it. As long as they have the app, right? Whoa! Everyone gets mm. to watch? For <laughs> free? Theoretically. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, buddy. You can watch any match. You don't um, have to watch City. <laughs> we're we watching should, but... City, right? <laughs> What, I mean, what, why are we hope. even here if we don't watch the city match? Like, what are we even doing? <laughs> we did we all this and we're going to pivot to covering CF Montreal. <laughs> oh my Please God, no. Mason. <laughs> just, no. just stop. <laughs> Guys, comedy's canceled. Please stop. <laughs> no, jo- joke's on y'all. We've actually secretly been a King's Cup podcast and now we're pivoting to become Louisville <laughs> <Lou> City <laughs> fans. <laughs> But if you don't want to sit at home on your phone or sitting in front of your computer or maybe on your stick on your TV, um, there is plenty of watch parties out there uh, for you to take advantage of. Uh, anyone got information on why uh, some of the prevalent ones that we know about? Yeah, there's quite a few going on. Uh, first off, the team will be hosting a watch party at the Ultra Club, north end the, or south end of the stadium after they have the Meet Your Seats event earlier that afternoon. If you want to go, too bad, because the tickets are sold out. Yeah, I was going to say, it was a ticketed event, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it was a ticketed event, and like a lot of these ticketed events, they disappeared pretty Everything at that stadium is a ticketed event. Okay, here's a a question. Is anyone selling their ticket to the Ultra Cup WAP party (laughs) for $400? (laughs) Probably. I will pay $400 for the luxury of looking vaguely in Matt Seebeck's direction during the game. <laughs> Not directly, because you don't want to stare in the sun on your retinas, yeah. so you can only look at him askance. <laughs> he, cannot be, he cannot be beheld with mortal eyes. Biblically <laughs> accurate angel type stuff right there. <laughs> But if you did not have the fast click in the West to get those tickets, there are other options. The Luligans will be hosting their watch party at the Schlafly Tap Room, just right across the street from the stadium. A few blocks down at Beffa's, both the Punks and St. Louis Santos will be at Beffa's. I personally, that's where I'm going to be for the game. I'm not sure what everyone else in the show is planning, but I'm going to be at Beffa's the whole time. I'm going to probably be both. <laughs> Mike's going to bilocate and become <laughs> the new iteration of Jesus Christ to do it. <laughs> Mike let will be astral projecting <laughs> to Schlafly. He's going to pull an Olsen butterfly and spread his wings and fly in between the two. Yeah. And the other big supporters group led 
watch party in the St. Louis area will be Nonap City will be at Nine Mile Garden down in Afton. And there have been other more regional supporters groups, one down around Springfield, Missouri, one kind of uh, southeast Missouri. So they will have be having their own watch parties. And just found out before the show that if you live in southern Illinois, go to Trace Ombres in Carbondale to watch the game and have the biggest plate of nachos you've ever seen in your life. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. It's a literal mountain. You've got to eat it with a fork. So that's where you can watch. Let's take a look at what you're going to watch and preview our first ever MLS match. It's finally here. Uh, we did it. Let's boys. go, boys. Let's go. Uh, the MLS schedule makers uh, didn't really let us off the hook in our very first game. We're going down to Austin to take up the uh, the, the runners up in the Western Conference, uh, Austin FC, uh, and to give us a rundown of uh, what we can expect in this match. Uh, taking the lead here will be Sean Campbell. All right, everybody, it is time. It is time for that all-important first-ever match preview. It is the first actual real match preview because we had the one that was City 2 with Leverkusen. We're throwing that out the window. We're, we're, we're starting a new system. It's going to be great. Let us know if it works. If it doesn't, give us notes. Join our Discord. Yell at me on Twitter, however you want to do this. Uh, but we're going to get started by talking about Austin and what we've got going up against them. First off, we'll start with their key players and obviously the the ever important part of Austin's strategy from front to back is that midfield triangle that I mentioned earlier because they run a similar 4-2-3-1 but it's iffy and interchangeable but really the only solid thing they have is that midfield triangle of Alex Ring, Sebastian Driussi, and Daniel Pereira. It's We're going to be talking about Driussi a lot today so if the name starts to sound like nonsense words it's going to happen um, but that midfield triangle and how everything pivots around how that triangle is operating is going to be the key piece of everything Austin wants to do. The other key player we have to look at is that striker position, specifically Maxi Arruti, mostly because I think he's going to get that, that start in that first game. The question is, will he kick on? Will he even play? Will he be a factor in this game? Because he is aging and having a severe drop in form very very drastically from just a couple of years ago when he was still with Houston Dynamo. Moving forward, we've got that injury report for you so we know who's going to be who is ineligible to play. For Austin, there's no injuries of note, no one that would actually be impacting the starting lineup, but for City, we've already talked about Joachim Nilsson, he's still out after his surgery and John Bell is still coming back from a surgery as well. He's a real question mark on if he's even going to be on the bench for this, but his return is a lot sooner expected than Nilsson. Now we move into the important parts. What is Austin going to do on the attack? How are they going to bring this to us and bring the game to us in their home stadium under those very vibrant green lights? And it really comes down to Austin's defense has been wonderful last year. They only let up an average of 1.44 goals against last year. Sebastian Driussi does a lot of that work by having the best defense being a good offense. Sebastian Driussi is just, he is the key to everything they want to do and stopping everything that we want to do. Yeah, Driussi's the key. Hmm. Uh, defensively, um, you'll hear this a lot if you've been out looking about Austin is, 
they overperformed in so many places, and defensively they may have. Um, Ruben Gabrielson was a big part of that defense. He left. He got a transfer out, apparently asked for it because of uh, personal or family reasons. Um, they're a little thin at center back. They did bring in uh, Leo Vassinen, uh, who has a great resume and may very well be good, but uh, he's unproven yet in MLS. It'll be his first match. A whole lot of the goals against happen uh, a lot because they held possession kept the ball away from other teams, and Brad Stuver was just a rock in goal. Uh, coming out of nowhere when he started with Austin, he's been extremely good. That has a lot to do with it. Yeah, having that absolute wall that is Brad Stuver in the back, along with they're very actually quite deep as far as number of players they have to play in the back line, as opposed to City, who we have some questions on, are we deep enough? Um, but they also did bring in Amro Tarek, who is an Egyptian center back. He has some MLX experience and he's started 20 games in two different seasons for Red Bulls New York. He also started 20 games or so it for Orlando City. So if he can slot in um, and actually fill that spot that Gabrielson, obviously not to the same degree because Gabrielson was just an absolute stalwart back there for them. But if he can slot in and, and provide a strong defensive structure for them, like we can expect from Austin. I really think that it's going to be hard for us to really get in there. So when we get those chances, we need to pounce on them. We need to bury them and be clinical in our finishing. And uh, the big thing for them is they went out, they cut ties with Danny Hoyson, who at the forward position just didn't give him much. Yerudi would basically replaced him. Uh, they brought in Giassi Zardas who looked a heck of a lot more dangerous in Colorado without a whole lot of uh, production out of it. But uh, his ability to make runs, split a defense, and get in position with Dreesi drawing all the attention. And uh, Rigoni, who was a disappointment in his first season in MLS, could very well pick up and have a better season uh, on, on the wing over there as a DP. I think Zardes is going to be valuable to them and something to really watch for him cleaning up messes or uh, being able to find that space as he did so well for Columbus. And uh, that that system in Columbus that set it up to move, use the ball, spread everybody out and get the ball in front of the net to uh, Zardes, the assistant coach under Berhalter at Columbus was Josh Wolf, and that's what this system does. So he's a danger. We just don't know what we're going to expect to see for him from Austin. And then Yerudi comes in, his defensive presence uh, pressing uh, just is a completely different style. And then there's also Will Bruin on their team. So uh, attack, attack, attack. That's where they're really going to hurt us. Yeah, the big question, though, is it, 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 let's let's dig into that a little bit because they have so many attacking options, be it on that line of three out wide, they they use those that it's technically a midfield line. I know, like, but we talked about earlier, we can use forwards out there out wide. Um, and when you look at all the options that can play across that front four effectively, um, you've got a Rudy, you've got Bruin, you've got Zardes. You also have Ethan Finlay, who was absolutely beautiful for them last year. Um, Diego Fundgundes played a lot of minutes. They were the preferred options on either side. Uh, they both had really good seasons. They played well. They had some good distribution. Um, Will Bruin can play out wide if he really needs to, even though his preferred position is centrally in that striker position. 
uh, having him with Zardes and Arudi is going to create a very interesting uh, striker outlook when it comes to them. But I really think Arudi's going to get that first run out. It seems to be his job to lose going into this season. Um, but with Finlay and Fagundes and then Ragoni and Wolf really putting pressure on all of them, um, they also got significant minutes. I think we're going to see Finley and Fagundes, though, with Arudi up top. It's going to cause us some fits on the back line, especially with our lack of depth, but we'll see how that one goes. One question is that, like, last year, Austin constantly overperformed what their XG was. Every game they were scoring more than XG. I don't put a lot of stock in XG, but for a whole season to be overperforming like that, um, I, I guess, like, the, the question is, like, how were they doing that and like what are like the key weaknesses the easiest way to explain that is they were because when you look at xg what xg is it's expected goals and that's a whole algorithm based off of percentage of shots from specific spots that go in and count as goals right so when you look at that stat what it means is if you're overperforming your xg you're being clinical in your finishes you're scoring on shots that may not be high percentage shots. You're putting balls in the net when not you really shouldn't be. You're being clinical in your finishes. And that is something that I think we might have a problem with going forward. But in over in overperforming on the XG, a lot of that comes down to Sebastian Triusi putting up MVP level numbers last season and absolutely having the foot of gold. The golden boot. Literally. He he has the golden boot. And uh, uh, another thing about it is difference makers, pure talent, people that know how to make things happen, uh, even if it's not the best situation. Fagundes is good at it. Jerisi's fantastic with that. And um, Alex Ring in midfield, he's a designated player. He's very good at facilitating these things, as he has been throughout his MLS career. Uh, it's just their ability to get in... Uh, to close in and being able to finish and uh, difference makers uh, with the structure in MLS difference makers. Well, make all the difference. Yeah. Alex ring. And I guess we may as well dive into that midfield a little bit more because that midfield triangle, like I said, is going to be their biggest strength, but I think it could also be their biggest downfall because they hinge way too much on the success of those three. If ring and Pereira cannot successfully connect the back line to Driussi, whom all play goes through, and then everything connects to him and ends up going back to him through the forwards. Um, if we can shut that down, I, I think they they won't be. It'll take a lot of the bite out of out of the offense that is Austin. Um, and I think with a year of them absolutely destroying teams in that midfield battle, it could really. We've got enough tape on it that I think we can successfully do that. Um, it, it just seems like having them be able to hold possession would be... Letting them hold possession between those three would be very dangerous for us. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to play it out of the back. So the high press has a real chance to force turnovers, you know, deep in the zone in dangerous positions. Uh, they did go out and pick up Adam Lundqvist to play uh, fullback for them. Uh, from the Houston Dynamo. He's noted for being very good in possession, not that good at defense. Uh, that could help him get the ball out of the back, but something also to exploit. 
and we'll get to that. Uh, also, their defensive midfield is not a, a strength. Their attacking midfield is. Um, so there's a real chance for us to take advantage of those uh, deficiencies. And uh, we've talked a lot about how they're going to hurt us, as it's always going to be the case for City this year. If they break the press, we're going to be in hurting. Um, we've seen that in preseason as well. But let's look at some of the ways. Why don't we move on to look at the ways that City can hurt them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in similar fashion, our biggest strength is also going to be our biggest downfall is that high press, that fast and strong counterattack. Um, winning that, I'm going to say this a lot this year, just get used to it. Winning the midfield battle, winning the midfield war. You know, if I say any of that, just know that this is what I'm talking about. Um, getting the ball back in the central, in the central areas of the field to get possession and turn quickly, throw numbers forward, ball goes forward, quick passes, incisive passes, getting the defense off guard, and then creating chances real quick on the break. Um, that is going to be a way that we can really make them hurt because they also like to throw numbers forward with their attacking midfield style. But if we can do, if we can win that war, I think that's number one, how we can create the most chances. Another way, a, a way to do that is by being quick to close down space whenever a pass is made in that midfield section in the center, central areas of the, of the pitch. Be quick to close down the space, make them make quick decisions and make them make the bad decisions so that they make a bad pass that we can cut out, get possession back, make a quick pass, turn it upfield and numbers going forward. Um, another way to do that is movement off the ball, really make their defensive, that whoever's defending make them run more, tire them out. Um, and I think having the ability to have so many players interchange to different positions is going to be a strength for us in this match because someone who is playing in, say, a, um, Edward Loven for spe specificity's sake, he's playing in a, in a holding midfielder role, but he can definitely play in an attacking role or a wing mid role. Um, Having that knowledge that he can play in all of those, he can swap around with someone and flip into a position and create a break and really throw their defensive structure out of whack because they don't know who's supposed to cover him. You can miss Mark and really create some open situations. Uh, but but it's it's in doing that, you have to com combine the making sure players are moving off the ball when we have possession and then also closing down that space when Austin has possession, make them make the quick decisions because they're probably going to have more of the, more of the possession in this match, but we want to make them have the high stress possession and really tire them out in that decision-making. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a big word here is to look at what city is verticality. Um, it's been professed that the way this team is going to attack is get the turnover and go for goal. Um, and I think uh, that really brings out the best in Klaus. That's where we were going to really see him shine. Um, that's where we saw Sh City 2 shine last year. And a lot of that builds off of uh, controlling the midfield. Uh, City 2 just would turn that into uh, their little plaything in many games. If nothing else, just turn into a scrum to where the game just gets played in that uh, the neutral zone, so to speak. Um one thing about Austin is that they've had their own system since they came in. Josh Wolf had it in like City, 
They came in with a definable system. Maybe they didn't have the best players their first year to get it done. They sure as heck improved that uh, by last year. Uh, But they play a pretty system. One thing you can expect from City is... It ain't going to be pretty. (laughs) not going to be pretty. Yeah, it's going to be chaos. They're going to thrive on chaos, making it ugly, making it dirty. Oh, okay. Um, I don't like the chaos word in this discussion because that compares us to the San Jose earthquakes. And as we all know... All the major pundits are putting us at finishing last in the league below the earthquake. See, well, San Jose the chaos for the San Jose was the team chaos like, team because their coach was nuts. Yeah, that's the thing, right? It wasn't their actual style of play. It was everything happening in the team. <laughs> a six line, you know, six in the back. Sometimes he would play. It's like oh, full on, full on parking the bus level. Yeah, just what is happening. Okay. So I'm parking not talking the bus that's parking, that parking the freight I'm train. I'm talking Red, New York Red Bulls chaos where you make the game as ugly as heck. You take a team with more talented and take them off their game. You spoil them from what they want to do. You create the uh, tempo, the matchups. Um, you basically, as Lute says, when they see the arch, they should become afraid to see the team play because it's not going to be fun. They're gonna, their shins are going to be sore. At the end of the match, they're going to take some knocks. They're going to have to fight for every piece of ground that they want. That's what we want to see from City. Now, are they going to be able to convert that to goals? That's a real key. We've got to finish because, you know, Jerusi and Fadundes and Zardes and that attack, they can convert goals when you didn't really think they had an opening to do so. Yeah, the finishing of the changes when we got them might be my biggest concern just based off of City 2 last season where we played... What I started to call city ball, which is we danced around the 18-yard box with the ball and then didn't really score off of that. Yeah, this yeah. is I, I've got concerns about this, too, because City 2 found a lot of success in just sheer volume. They were putting up hockey number shots. You're going to get goals that way, but MLS defenses are not going to let you do that. Yeah, creating chances is always important to victory, but creating good chances is even more important, and we saw that with City, too. If they had a really good chance, they tend to score, but a lot of their chances were really half chances. It, it really comes down less of... It comes down less to creating number of chances and good chances, but more so finishing the chances you have. Like you said, Chris, when you get a chance, you better bury it and be clinical like Austin will be. Otherwise, it will come back to bite you, especially as a high-press counterattacking team, like uh, like we are. If we can be clinical in our finishing, there is no, no team we cannot defeat, in all honesty. Because when you get a chance and you finish every single chance you have, you're going to win games. I'm going full John Madden. I know if if the receiver catches the ball in the end zone, it, it's touchdown. If you put the ball in the back of that, yeah, I know. I'm going full John Madden. It's okay. Yeah. In, in, in the game of soccer, there's, there's a one quarterback and his name is the president. <laughs> no, his yeah. name is Don Garber. <laughs> and I, I will say, you know, we're expressing a lot of concerns here because it is an expansion year. It's going to take a while for the team to start to meld. It's going to take a while for the team to start to play together to build up to their full potential. That's expected. So if you see a few rough early score lines, don't hit the panic button yet. But if we really consistently can are 
strikers or DPs, the players we're paying a lot of money for and building around, have a really hard time bearing the chances they're given, that's when the worry is going to set in if we hit that point. Yep. Another thing in this first match, very first match uh, for the team, having to go to Austin to play this team, they could play highly competitive. Um, they could play very well, but a couple of mistakes, Jerisi buries them, Fagundes buries them, Zardes buries them. Uh, we're behind. Um, Stuver makes some fantastic saves. Uh, big question is, uh, for us to have a chance at this match, Berkey's got to be better than Stuver at stopping those goals as well. Uh, but above that, we got to keep the ball from getting into uh, Berkey to where he has to make those kind of saves. Uh, if it's a point to where they're really attacking and putting the possession and really attacking goal a lot, ugh, it, it, it might be a very exciting but not too fun evening. <laughs> I, I do think this match is going to be a little bit more back and forth than we are letting on um, because while Austin will do well with the possession that they have, I they're not necessarily a possession dominating team with the personnel that they have. They're just very, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, efficient with the possession they do have. And they do have a fair amount of it. They just don't always dominate possession like, like say, a certain team that I will refuse to name. Um, they will take the possession and they will wear you down and they will find runners to make runs. But if we can get our off ball movement, like if someone, if, if, if say Leuven has the ball and he's moving it forward, he's taking on a couple of guys. We need everybody except for that back four, except for maybe one of those wing backs to fly up forward. Everybody else needs to fly up forward and give him options, be moving around and make some chaos so that these defenders lose their marks, and then we can make an incisive pass to then make a quick one-touch pass to somebody else, change the point of attack, and then potentially maybe pass it back to reset and change the point of attack again. And and in Mike's words, use our verticality, really give them fits by making confusing runs and runs in behind the defense, draw people out of position. Um, a lot of that starts with winning battles in the midfield and winning the midfield war. That's going to be the, the the make or break for every single game this season. I guarantee it is winning the midfield war. And one key with this type of system is force a turnover and immediately turn that into an attack. That is the key you want to watch for. First game ever altogether. Uh, that takes a lot of coordination and all that. So we might see some mishits. So we've talked about what they can do, what we can do. Now it's time to give what you guys really think is going to be the outcome of this first match in St. Louis City SC's history. Um, Sean, you led the point here. Why don't you go ahead and give us your thoughts? All right. Well, looking at everything, looking at what Austin can do to us with their defense that lets up very few goals, looking at their midfield triangle that can also really give us some fits, um, and then also their clinical finishing I think what's going to happen, because then you weigh that against us causing pressure in that midfield, making them make quick decisions that they may not normally have to make. Um, if our off-ball movement is always has always been good, at least from what I've seen, we can make some deep-lying runs and some diagonal runs to really pull people out. I think at the end of the day, I'm hoping and praying we win that midfield war. It may be more of a draw than what I'm thinking. I think this ends up 2-2. 
in the end. Um, in all seriousness, it's 2-2. If I had my heart's way, it's 3-0 City. <laughs> but I think it's going to end up 2-2. Maybe 1-1. But I think it's going to be 2-2 at the end of the day. And, and we get a, a point in our first match. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think the theme amongst all of us in these predictions is going to be our heart's pick and then the actual pick. Um, yeah. My heart's pick is I would love to see some sort of just crazy shootout 4-3 win for us. In all reality, I'm thinking 3-1 Austin. Bold pick, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. Is it, though? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's Driussi and Fagundes. Yeah. Pretty safe With pick, whoever they decide <laughs> to throw up at the nine. You know, they, in our first game of our first season, where we are still finding our feet, they threw us up against the team that... You know, runners up in the West last season made so many good moves in the offseason. I think that Austin is probably the favorite to win MLS Cup this year. Ooh. Rough. Way Rough too early predictions there. What do you think, Mason? I, um, what do I think? Good question. I usually don't. <laughs> um, You've only had a year and a half preparation on this show to get to Mason, this Mason, your brain does exist. Make it do the thing. Um, no, it's... Our Patreon subscribers can smell the smoke coming off of Mason's brain. <laughs> yeah. Say it! Say it! The hamster in my head is getting very tired. Um, no, it's... Let's get right down to it. I, the result, I think, is going to be 3-2. Which team comes out on top? I have no earthly idea. But I'm look. I'm expecting a three-two scoreline. Um, if if we can cut out that midfield, like Sean was talking about, we can put that pressure on. I think we're going to come out on top of that battle. But I'm expecting a knockout, drag-out fight, three-two. And uh, for myself, uh, got the like as we mentioned the heart and the head battle. Really, my heart is the fact being able to watch the game finally. Seeing it all happen after all this time amongst like-minded friends, um, that's victory, really. Uh, how is the game actually going to play out? Uh, City might get that turnover, might get that first goal, and eventually just Austin wears this down, and I'm with Chris. Uh, my anticipation is a 3-1 victory over Austin. But and what that is your is heart tough. Say? My heart says, I'm, it's going to be fun to watch again. Yeah. Like, I thought uh, what I had prepared leading up to this was I don't make team, emotional <laughs> picks in a game. Uh, you're really going for, like, the moral you are victory correct. angle here. Oh, yeah. No, the real victory was the friends we made <laughs> yeah. along the way. All right, I mean, Mike, we get it. You played D&D &D in its first iteration, okay? <laughs> what does my heart tell me? We're going to lose 3-1 to Austin. Yeah. I mean, what's my head tell me? We're going to lose 3-1 to Austin. <laughs> they're they're one and the same yeah. when it comes to analysis. I mean, look, and we've we've been sitting here this whole episode. Some stuff has happened to make us not in the best of moods, and there's a lot going on right now. End of the day, the four of us sitting here, most of the people listening to the show have been waiting for this team to happen for so long. Whatever happens Saturday, Saturday is going to be an amazing experience. Yeah. It Whatever doesn't matter because we're live next weekend. Let's just it's enjoy be the experience. moment. Celebrate it like yeah. it's 1999. Yes. 
the best moment on Saturday, win or lose, is going to be when the referee's whistle blows to start the game. That first kick. Yeah. The moment we've all been waiting for since we were little children. Well, for those of us that are millennials, since children, because as Mm -hmm. in any sport, we all grow up whenever we play a sport, we dream of playing for our hometown team, right? Well, now we have a hometown team for all of us soccer fans to actually root for. Everything's coming to fruition. And Chris, I, I know your, your, your story is amazing. And I cannot wait to share that with you because if everything happens the way I want it to, I will be at Befa's with you and the rest of the punks and with the Santos, Los Santos, mm-hmm. cheering on our team to victory. Come on, you boys in red. Let's go, City. Bethesda uh, is going to be my uh, prediction. I hope I'm right. That first goal comes to City. We will go AP. Um, I believe (laughs) the term is mental. (laughs) We'll go freaking Uh, mental is the official (laughs) chance. If we score the first goal, they better grease up those light posts. We're not Philadelphia, Mason. Stop it. Your birds lost. Chief Kingdom, let's go. (laughs) Listen, not with that attitude. We can make a change. Yeah. Yeah, be the change you want to see. Genuinely, you know, I I want to see a city winning every single trophy for the next three decades. Right now, as we're recording, I'm sitting here wearing the authentic home kit. I'm debating how much I want to wear that on Saturday. Because I don't know how much beer <laughs> yeah, I want to get on this. It will stink like beer for, yeah. for the rest of your life. Christen it, christen it with beer. It's the only way to christen a proper jersey. I have a I have a Celtic jersey that to this day has a red wine stain on it from a Gogol Bordello concert. <laughs> Those are memories that you can just never forget. Or wash out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's why you don't forget them. <laughs> so let's wrap that up. Uh very, very quickly here at the end, we just wanted to uh, give you another piece of news. Uh, the U.S. women's national team is in a serious international competition, the She Believes Cup. They got a 2-0 win against Canada in the first match. That was back on the 16th. Mallory Swanson had a brace in the first half. And then today, they took on a very strong team from Japan, Uh Japan had lost nil uh, one against Brazil in their first match. The U.S. also beats them by that same scoreline, one nil today. And uh, Mallory Swanson again opens and closes the scoring with a goal right before the half. So, come on, you ladies, for the U.S. But really, what we're excited about is St. Louis City SC. You guys have any uh, final thoughts for this episode? Oh, plenty, but I can't vocalize them at the moment. <laughs> Um, yeah. Mason, if you have plenty, multiply it tenfold. I have many. Sean is going through a grieving thoughts. process at the moment. <laughs> I am going through not just a grieving process, but an attempt to not rage. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Been, All my uh, thoughts have been replaced by muscle soreness. So, yeah. <laughs> For those of you that can't tell, I have replaced my scarf wall, but there are some notable absences. <laughs> yeah, all of uh, all of those who can't tell, which means everyone. <laughs> <laughs> 
In our hearts of hearts, we know where the soccer capital lies in this country. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to us ramble on about the River City 11. And I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And I am the very exhausted but equally excited Chris. And we are, at this time, the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.